You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. everybody welcome to another episode of locked on vikings it's crossover thursday here and before we begin i would like to ask you to help support your local businesses whether they're your corner stores coffee spots or favorite shops local businesses have always been on your team supporting you and your community but right now more than ever local businesses need our support so let's be there for them the next time you go shopping make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless simple to tap and pay with a contactless visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters visa everywhere you want to be official partner of the nfl i am your host your pal and the kitty copied off in math class my name is luke braun you can find me on twitter at luke braun nfl you can find the show on twitter at locked on vikings and today is crossover thursday so we're going to spend most of the show talking to evan sittery of locked on colts we're going to get to know the colts a little bit and we'll come back tomorrow and we'll really really deep dive into the matchup Uh, but first let's you know get a colts guy to come prime us for it right If you missed out on everything else in the week, if you still uh, need to debrief from the debacle that happened against the Packers, you can go listen to Monday's or Wednesday's show if you have questions about Dalvin Cook uh, and you want to hear some answers from his agent directly from... in, in an interview, you can go listen to Tuesday's show. But today we're going to talk about the Colts. We're moving on from the Packers thing. We're talking about the Colts. The first thing we have to talk about, though, is that Dalvin Cook's contract details were finally released. Didn't have them quite yet when I interviewed Zach Hiller, unfortunately. Uh, but now I have them, so we can break it down a little bit. And I think the best way to talk about a contract structure is by kind of giving you two different numbers. For one, the cap hit that they're going to have uh, in each year and the like net change if they're cut. So it will give you kind of a sense for how expensive they'll be and how hard it will be to get out from under it. So, for example, in 2020, he's going to cost uh, $4.5 million. And after the uh, Eric Kendricks restructure, that gives the Vikings, according to the NFLPA, a little bit over $2 million in cap space, which is about what teams like to have headed into the season after they do all their regular season accounting to be able to like quickly pick up a George Iloka, who it sounds like he's going to be a part of the team uh, starting like Thursday. He's still doing coronavirus testing, so everything is going to take a little longer than it usually does to actually get the guy in the building. Um, but to do moves like that, you like to have about $2, $2 million. So that's what they have. So uh, in 2020, is going to cost $4.5 million, And if they were to inexplicably cut Dalvin Cook right now, they would take a net loss because of the giant dead cap penalty of $12.4 million. 2021, it'll be $5.2 million and a net loss because it's still a pretty big dead cap penalty of $7.2 million. There's a lot of signing bonus that accelerates. They'd basically be on, on the hook for a whole bunch of cap that they had spread across into future years would all hit them in the face at once and they would lose money on the whole. So you're not going to cut him in 2020 or 2021. He's uncuttable. It doesn't even save you money. It costs you money to do that. In uh, 2022, that's when his cap hit actually grows to something that I would call an overpay. 4.5 and 5.2 in the first two years, I think that's fine. That's close to what you would pay. Like that's less than like Austin Eckler is making with the Chargers. I, I think that's a pretty good deal. In 2022, it grows to $12 million, and enough of it is guaranteed, uh, plus some signing bonus stuff. We're cutting him would, uh, would, would, 
only save $2.7 million against the cap. It would be a net savings, so it is possible to get out from under him without paying money to do so. You won't have to trade draft picks, do any weird Brock Osweiler stuff, but it still wouldn't quite be efficient. So I think that that's a guaranteed enough $12 million where it's very likely he's actually going to see that $12 million, and that's going to be a year of overpay that I don't particularly agree with. And in the next three years, he goes $14 million uh, with a $7.8 million savings if cut. That's 2023, so if you cut him before 2023, you save about $7.8 million. You still take a reasonable dead cap hit uh, from all of the like signing bonus that's still left on the deal, but that's a lot less egregious. It's a little bit more palatable if you really had to get out from under it, but I still think you would prefer not to, uh, but it is not great to, to pay $14 million for a running back. The thing is, by 2023, $14 million won't be as much as $14 million is in 2020. So that might actually seem a little bit more reasonable once we get four years down the road. 2024 is $15 million cap hit, and you can save most of it if you cut him. You can save $12.5 million of it if you cut him. So that's going to be to the part where we're talking about restructures, we're talking about cap casualties, and he can kind of become that, and we'll see if we even make it that far. And then in 2025, he has a $13.5 million cap hit with none of it guaranteed. You can save all of it if you cut him. So really, this contract to me is a three- or four-year deal with some monopoly money on the end of it. And if you look at it that way, if you look at it as, you know, just the first four years of the deal, because let's be honest, the last five, the last two years of the deal are super unlikely to actually manifest themselves. So if you just look at the first four years of the deal, that adds up to about $35 million of total cap hit to incur over the first four years. And if it were that and say it was, it was that like fully guaranteed or you intended to actually pay it all out, that would be um, four years, 35, that's an average of $8.75 million a year. Now, there's a lot to restructure there. There's still a lot of guarantees, and it's still not perfect to get out of it. So I think that's probably too optimistic of a way to frame it to be realistic. But I think if you said, you know, oh, Dalvin Cook, $12.5 million, haha, the Vikings paid a running back so much, I don't think that's particularly accurate. I think this structure is really, really team-friendly and favorable to the Vikings, mostly because they can get out of it basically whenever they want, and a lot of the money on the end of the contract is funny money, is unguaranteed, and that means that the Vikings are not necessarily priced into paying it. And knowing the way that, that Rob Brzezinski works and how he very often restructures contracts, changes contracts throughout the life of them, you know, converts things into signing bonuses and manipulates the cap that way, this is one that I think is going to be ripe for manipulation in 2022 and 2023 in years where it's probably going to require some of that manipulation. And the way that we looked at kind of like the Riley Reef contract this year, the way the Vikings have looked at the Eric Kendricks contract the last couple of years, I think the Dalvin Cook contract is going to become one of those contracts that gets messed with and tweaked and fiddled to generate and manufacture cap space in the future. Speaking of flexibility, if you are stuck working at home during this crazy time, you might want to think about taking care of your body, especially if you are unable to leave the house or if you don't feel safe leaving the house, and you want to make sure that things don't get too sore. But our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. The first one is CBD Freeze with Menthol. It's an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. And the second is CBD Recover, which combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support where you need where it matters most. 
And, if, and to make it even easier, you can try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer. They are offering all of our listeners 25% off their next order if you use the promo code LOCKEDONNFL at checkout. That's LOCKEDONNFL, separate words, at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code LOCKEDONNFL for 25% off your purchase of superior, superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. All right, I'm here with Evan Sittery of Locked On Colts. Evan, both of our teams not doing so great coming off of losses to divisional opponents and headed into an 0-1 bowl where neither of our team wants to be at that dreaded 0-2. Yeah, this Colts team definitely shocking loss down in Jacksonville, a team who everyone thought was going to be tanking for Trevor Lawrence. Gardner Minshew went 19 of 20 in that game, and they're trying to bounce back here against this Vikings team, like you mentioned, who's also desperate for a win here on the road in Indianapolis. Let's start off the show. We're going to hit on the Vikings first, Luke, then we'll transition into the Colts talk with you, as well as in closing with some predictions on this game as well, which I think is going to be a really fun one here. Let's start off here with the Vikings, where, like you mentioned, they lost 43-34, and I feel like, the, honestly, the score, they got a couple of late scores there to make it a little bit closer. But what was your impression of that game where it looked like Aaron Rodgers just picked apart that young secondary? Yeah, it's that's the the case right there. Aaron Rodgers picked apart the young secondary. The game is not as close as the score would indicate. It was pretty much a blowout up and down the field. So we're all kind of licking our wounds. Um, you know, we're looking at the cornerbacks, looking at uh, what went wrong, and more importantly, is that going to keep going wrong, or is this just some like one-time fluke, or was it just something special Aaron Rodgers did? And my take on it is that what the Packers did is uh, with a very very quick passing attack, Aaron Rodgers got the ball out of his hands really really fast and neutralized a whole bunch of blitzes um, and the the wide receivers won very very fast against the cornerbacks and the cornerbacks were always going to be a bit of a, a question mark headed into the season you know we talked about that when we did uh, a crossover back in the offseason um, but I, I don't think we expected them to be this bad and I, I kind of think it's going to be hard for other teams to replicate what the Packers did it required perfection from them on a whole bunch of fronts so if you can do that if you can get the ball out quickly and if you can win off the line of scrimmage quickly yeah you can beat the Vikings and that's doable but that's really really hard yeah when you also look at this Vikings team of course missing Daniil Hunter Yannick and Gakwe is still getting acclimated to this defense as well are you worried at least on the Colts front going against this team that really makes its heyday in the trenches you have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL Philippers is a very smart quarterback very efficient when he has time did not get sacked last week is 34 44 as well he had those two interceptions that were costly for this Colts team but if he has time he can pick apart a team a little bit on defense do you feel like maybe they could be an encore performance for this defense if they allow Rivers to have some time? I'm definitely a little concerned about that. Here's the deal with the pressure, though. Um, a lot of that was neutralized by quick passes. I, I think there's uh, something like uh, Aaron Rodgers had the most passes under two seconds in the league. In week one, he got rid of the ball unbelievably quickly and it neutralized a ton of pressure. And what would otherwise be like noted as pass rush wins kind of were rendered irrelevant. Um, you also have Unique Ngakwe, who is still acclimating to the offense or to the defense. Um, but, you know, each week is going to get a little bit easier there. Of course, you guys are super familiar with Ngakwe having played in the AFC South for all that time. Um, so I, I would expect that he gets better as the season goes on. Um, Fadio Denebo is the other starter opposite uh, Ngakwe right now with Daniil Hunter out. I thought he was going to be a starter for most of the season until the Ngakwe trade, and I was actually fine with that. I think he can be a good player. He had a, a decent game against the likes of like David Bakhtiari, 
Um, and again, it was just that he didn't have a lot of time to get home because the ball was out so quickly every time. I'm more worried about the interior. I mean, Quentin Nelson's going to kick the crap out of like Shamar Stefan and Jaleel Johnson. That's a wild mismatch. So getting pressure up the interior is going to be really difficult. But Mike Zimmer and Dom Capers, uh, the defensive, who's a defensive assistant coach right now, um, those are two of the most dynamic blitz designers in the league. So I don't think if the Vikings are smart, this won't come down to mano y mano, you know, Quentin Nelson versus Jaleel Johnson. That's not going to be a matchup that they can win. They're going to have to come up with some interesting blitz packages to kind of manufacture some pressure on, on Phillip Rivers. And I think that's kind of similar to what they did last time they played Phillip Rivers, which actually was last year in week 15 when he was on the Chargers. They managed to get a whole lot of pressure on him and, and kind of uh he, he kind of had a meltdown game in that one he, he there were seven turnovers from the chargers offense so that i think is going to be what it all comes down to is not necessarily the the player on player matchup but more the scheme on scheme and can zimmer and capers come up with a way to manufacture pressure when their number one pressure generator is still on ir looking at the opposite side this vikings offense gets the colts defense who is over the last six weeks, I, I kind of last year, the regular season, the last month in December, the secondary is really starting to fall apart. You're even adding in the former Viking Xavier Rhodes to replace Pierre Desir. They still allowed a historic performance in week one from Gardner Minshew, who really looked like Drew Brees out there, which we saw in December. He went 29 of 30 against his Colts defense. Minshew on Sunday went 19 of 20 for 190 plus yards. You have to imagine, Luke, that Kirk Cousins is licking his chops looking at the secondary. Yeah, that I was really surprised to see uh, looking at, at what Jacksonville was able to do to the secondary because I was kind of high on him. I mean, I, I, I thought Xavier Rhodes could pull it together and at least, you know, play like a cornerback too. I, I liked Rocky Sin coming out. I thought he would be something. Of course, I'm, I'm big on Kenny Moore. Um, it, it seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, this matchup is going to be a little bit softer on the outside than it is on the inside. Um, you know, I, I would much rather go up against Rhodes and Yasin than uh, like, Kenny Moore and Darius Leonard on the inside and like Malik Hooker and stuff. So I, I think that's where it's going to come out. So what we're going to see is Adam Thielen who can play inside or the slot. And I think that's going to change matchup to matchup. You're going to see a ton of Adam Thielen outside deep routes and it's going to be up to Rhodes and Yasin to kind of cover him. Um, but I, I, I think like, the, the Vikings still really like to go deep. Gary Kubiak loves his like play action, deep shot. And you're going to have to keep up with Adam Thielen or else that could get really explosive. That's going to be the way that they're going to try to generate explosive plays. At this r- rushing attack too, I love the duo that Minnesota has put together. Dalvin Cook, of course, signed his extension a couple weeks ago. You also have Alexander Madison, the second year pro out of Boise State, who I'm very high on as well. This, even though the Colts defense, they acquired DeForest Buckner, they kind of struggled a little bit against undrafted rookie James Robinson for Jacksonville last week in the first half to kind of settle down later on in the game as Minshew got going too, which kind of just canceled each other out. But if, they, if the Vikings can establish a run against this team and really win that trench battle against DeForest Buckner, Justin Houston, et cetera, it, this could really be a high scoring affair for this Vikings offense if they get it going. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't be too worried about any defense with like Darius Leonard and Forrest Buckner. And like, I like the roster that, that you guys have over there. But Gary Kubiak, Dalvin Cook, with a fresh new hot contract and the run blocking at least in week one was actually one of the few bright spots which is surprising because the offensive line has been kind of a bugaboo in Minnesota for a long time but the run blocking was pretty nice and they, they actually managed to be fairly efficient when they were able to run of course game situation got away from them and it kind of didn't matter um, but the, their actual ability to set up zone runs and actually get some production there seemed pretty nice so I wouldn't be surprised to see the Colts have to like stack the box a little bit and uh, you know really suck everything up and 
inside, which would again, create more vulnerability on the outside. And you're really going to have to ask a little bit more of your corners, I think, um, of, of your outside corners than, than Jacksonville made you, made you uh, ask of them. Yeah, and also, just real quickly before we move on to some Colts talk, Luke, because, of course, Darius Leonard is one of the best linebackers in the NFL, maybe a little bit slept on even still entering into his third year in the NFL. I think you can say the same as well if you're not familiar with the Vikings, with Eric Kendricks, who's one of the best linebackers in the NFL, too. I think Kendricks and Leonard might be in the same tier as far as linebacker play goes. For Colts fans out there listening to this, Luke, can you just, just, just describe Eric Kendricks' level of play? Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm not particularly, we'll talk about Darius Leonard because I'm not too familiar with his like style. I just know he's good. Um, But yeah, Eric Kendricks is, he's an off-ball linebacker. He's a cover linebacker. Um, But basically a lot of the times his job is if there's a combo block, the defensive tackle tries to hold off the combo block and he figures out and, and, and then his job is to like read the gap and kind of two gap around it um, in, in a sense, like kind of abstract way to describe it. But um, basically, yeah, if, if the combo block is held up and the defensive tackle doesn't let the guard get to the second level and block Eric Kendricks, then Kendricks can basically uh, pick his gap and, and read the play and try to go get the running back. And he'll rack up a million tackles that way. But the other thing he's really good at, and this is, I think, one of the most fascinating parts of this matchup, is covering the flats. Both he and Anthony Barr are incredible at covering the flats. It's something that has been a strength of the Vikings for a long time, ever since Zimmer got here and brought Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks into the defense. Um, and that means a lot of, you know, swing pass to the running back type stuff. It has not been successful against the Vikings. That's the kind of thing that they've been a lot better at, at defending than other teams. And I know that Phillip Rivers loves to throw to his running backs. Um, week one, the Colts, what was it? 17 passes to the running backs, including like one of the touchdowns to Naeem Hines. That is going to be a really interesting thing. Kendricks is going to be asked to go sideline to sideline a lot. And he's one of the few linebackers that can do that and go sideline to sideline, stick with the flat and, and stop a swing pass from suddenly becoming, you know, a, a 20 yard scamper down the sideline. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relieve... You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game, every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, even Eric Kendrickson, Dalvin Cook, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. Go to nfl.com slash game pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. Alrighty, we are back here for segment two of our crossover special today. Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings, Evan Sattery of Locked On Colts. Luke, I'll give you the floor here to discuss some Colts talk, and unfortunately after a disappointing loss on Sunday, the Colts like the Vikings are trying to scratch and claw back to 500. Yeah, this is going to be whoever leaves this game with a loss is is going to really, really be reeling. And, and then it's going to be an uphill climb for the rest of the season just to make it into the postseason, let alone make any noise in January. So I guess my first question for the Colts comes down to Philip Rivers. I'll be honest, I don't have a lot of faith in Philip Rivers at this stage in his career. At the end of his time in, uh, in Los Angeles, I kind of thought he was washed. I kind of thought he was going to retire at the end of the year. So it's surprising to see him kind of do this retirement tour a year. 
in, in Indianapolis. And I feel like a lot of that has manifested itself in a whole bunch of short passing to the running backs. And he loves throwing to his running backs. So is that like a, a staple of the offense or is that just a lot of checkdowns? Is that the intention? Are we trying to be like a throw to Naeem Hines, throw to Jonathan Taylor screen type of offense? Or is that just kind of what Philip Rivers is doing? And, and is it, I mean, is that hamstringing you guys or is that like the plan? I think it certainly seems like the plan, honestly. When Frank Reich spoke earlier this week, they mentioned that their screen game is one of their strongest parts of the offense. And you look at their stats from week one, Rivers threw to running back 17 times on that. Almost half of their attempts were to running backs that were completed, which goes to show you how much he loves this running back group. Unfortunately, Marlon Mack tore his Achilles in week one. He's out for the rest of the season. But now Jonathan Taylor, the high second-round rookie from Wisconsin, now takes that, that bell cow role. Nine Hines will step in as that third down scat back playing that Danny Woodhead, Austin Eckler type role. I think moving forward here, it's going to be a bread and butter staple with Rivers, a quarterback. You're going to see a lot of screenplay for Naeem Hines, even more so for Jonathan Taylor, too, who even had six catches in the second half in week one. And I imagine it might be even around that number each week for Taylor because he's going to be getting a lot of lion's share of snaps outside of Hines on third down. Yeah, I think moving forward here with this offensive line, you see how Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Anthony Costanzo, the rest of the offensive line, they're able to move well in space. We saw a lot of very good screen attempts. Jonathan Taylor busted off a 36-yard screen early on in the second half against this Jaguars team. I have to wonder if history will repeat itself this week in Luke Solo Stadium because, like Reich said, it's going to be one of their staples of the offense. And Rivers, as we know throughout his career in San Diego and Los Angeles, loves utilizing those running backs. And I imagine Hines and Taylor are primed for a big week in the passing game again and throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting like DFS play for those two guys. Um, but uh, elsewhere in the skill positions, I mean, it, there's not much question about the Colts offensive line. That's going to be really, really difficult to generate any pressure. And everybody's very familiar with Phillip Rivers because he's been in the league for a million years. Um, but the wide receivers, I think, are the like one of the more interesting unknowns, at least for me, being somebody not that familiar with the Colts. Paris Campbell, I mean, we kind of know T.Y. Hilton, but like he didn't play. In, I thought he was mostly a slot guy or preferably a slot guy. But y'all put... Paris Campbell in the slot. And then of course, like Michael Pittman coming in, Zach Pascal, I thought looked really nice on tape, although he didn't quite have the production to match. So when it comes to this wide receiver group, if you were a defensive coordinator preparing for the Colts, are you, is, is T.Y. Hilton the guy you're like still the most scared of? And, and who else is, is worth like really game planning around? I would say T.Y. is probably still number one option. At least I would say that for the next couple of weeks because he was kind of shut down a little bit by C.J. Henderson, the Jaguars' top pick in week one. Henderson kind of had his way against T.Y., and hopefully moving forward here, T.Y. is able to bounce back because we heard a lot in the preseason, at least in the training camp area, that Rivers and Hilton were building a really good rapport, that Hilton was really having a great training camp as well. But I, I think, honestly, moving forward here, I would buy a lot of stock on Paris Campbell, who, like you mentioned, is our slot receiver. You see Michael Pittman Jr. on the outside, too. Zach Paschal as well. They share that load opposite T.Y. Hilton on the outside. But I think Paris Campbell is such a mismatch in the slot. 4-3, one speed, six feet tall. We saw a lot of targets for Paris Campbell in week one. Eight targets, he caught six of those. And one of those was an interception that Rivers threw in a double coverage to try to get Paris Campbell the ball. He, he's such a great player on, on crossing routes on those deep posts. He, they barely missed a touchdown as well in week one. Rivers got hit before he could throw it. And Campbell was kind of racing into the end zone ahead of the defensive, defensive back there. And it really could have been an easy score for Campbell if that ball was placed in the right area. I think moving forward here, Paris Campbell could be the leading reception getter for the Colts this year, even more so than T.Y. Hilton, because Campbell's already proven with his high catch rate, even last year, even though he battled a lot of injuries, that he is a very reliable target. He's a security blanket. I think we already saw in week one that Campbell and Naheem Mines are kind of turning into that already for Philip Rivers as this really athletic 
guys can get out in space and create extra yards after catch. I think Paris Kill moving forward here could turn to the Colts' number one option, but I think T.Y. Hill in any sort of week could bust out when he wants to. Yeah, that makes sense. And honestly, Campbell is the one that I think matches up best against the Vikings just because they have right now Mike Hughes in the slot. Hughes might move outside. We might have Gladney in the slot because uh, rookie Cameron Dantzler is on the injury report. That's something to watch. Um, so I, I think Campbell coming out of the slot is something that I, I think the Vikings are going to have to like get creative about how, how they plan for that. But I want to switch to the other side of the ball because the, the Colts defensive roster has always been fascinating to me. Of course, you know, there's the secondary and, and Vikings fans, we are very familiar with Xavier Rhodes and his strengths and weaknesses, but the defensive line, I kind of want to talk about, there's no Kamoko Ture this year, uh, but you still have DeForest Buckner and, you know, you still have a couple of guys along that defensive line that can generate pressure and, the Vikings have never been that good at offensive line. The line did okay against the Packers, um, but there's still plenty of weak spots, especially on the interior. But you said that DeForest Buckner didn't have the best game against Jacksonville. So I guess, do we still expect him to be like as disruptive as he was for San Francisco? I still expect so. Hopefully it was just a, a bad week for Buckner where he couldn't generate consistent pressure, probably still getting used to the defense with a shortened training camp. He also sat out a few practices during training camp due to a hand injury. So hopefully just him catching up to speed a little bit. We saw Butner get a couple of good pressures. I think he had four tackles in the game, one tackle for loss as well. He flashed here and there, but it wasn't consistent. Hopefully moving forward, it's a lot more consistent because the Colts are paying him like an all-pro defensive tackle in the league, which he was last year in San Francisco. But I think, like you mentioned, Butner should be in for a huge week against his Vikings offensive interior because he matches up perfectly against them. I think I remember what the last time the 49ers played the Vikings, Butner had a field day against them, and that could be right for doing a repeat here in, in Indianapolis because – whether it be Buckner or it be Justin Houston on the outside, who had two sacks on Sunday, Danico Autry as well had a sack too. I think those two players could be primed for it if Buckner doesn't break out. Autry, who had a couple sacks, Houston is always poised for a huge game as well on the outside. They could really bring some pressure. And if Buckner's able to get that interior pressure consistently, I think they're going to consistently win that trench battle in the front against defensive line versus offensive line. And that could really be a, a bad sort of sort of trend for Kirk Cousins if they want to get going and catch that rhythm because if Buckner does get going early on, Luke, it could be a long day for the Vikings. Yeah, I feel like both teams are kind of primed to hold a lead if they get one. And and so whoever kind of gets out the gate quickly, it's going to be difficult to like stem that tide. But let's talk about the elephant in the room, which is Xavier Rhodes and Adam Thielen. Of course, I have watched Adam Thielen beat the crap out of Xavier Rhodes in camp a whole bunch. I've watched Diggs do it too. Um, although he, of course, he's not here anymore. Um, but I guess... It, do you still feel like you have something in Xavier Rhodes? We are all very like sensitive about it. So seeing him get beat once for that one touchdown or, or give up a couple of catches, we're like, aha, we knew it. See, he's trash. But for you guys, I feel like it's a different perspective. What are the expectations you have for Xavier Rhodes this year? Is it that he can be, I mean, he didn't shadow against Jacksonville. He played sides. So it's not that he's going to be the shadowing number one corner, but is he the number one corner? Is it, or is he just the right one? Rocky sends the left one. And I guess, how does that characterize the secondary I think the expectation was this year was for Rhodes to kind of step into that Pierre Desir role we saw last year be the veteran leader of that of that cornerback group take on the, the primary assignment when need be we also saw Rocky Sin kind of share a load a little bit last year when Desir was injured but a very worrisome signs for the Colts defense I imagine seeing Xavier Rhodes on Sunday he looked like you mentioned Luke last year in Minnesota getting torched consistently it was not a good look for Rhodes whether it be Keelan Cole LaVisca Chanel it wasn't it wasn't a great day for Xavier Rhodes he allowed that touchdown late the game uh, leading touchdown for the Jaguars. Minshew hit Keelan Cole wide open in the end zone on a busted coverage from Xavier Rhodes. Hopefully, like, like Buckner, just getting some rust off, just a new system he's trying to get acclimated to. 
but not a good sign in week one for Rhodes. And if this continues against Minnesota, if this continues another couple weeks here, the Colts might be in trouble as far as cornerbacks go because Marvell Tell, he opted out of the season before it started due to COVID-19 concerns. Of course, Kenny Moore is your nickel corner, one of the more underrated ones in the NFL. But that puts a lot of pressure on Rocky Ascent to really be a legit number one corner, and he hasn't been consistent enough to be that just yet. So if Rhodes keeps struggling, Luke, I could see the Colts maybe making a midseason trade for a corner because it could be really desperation time if Rhodes kind of shows what he was in 2019 that continues in the 2020 for this Colts team because they put a lot of expectations on Rhodes that if he got into the zone system, reunited with Jonathan Gannon, his former coach in Minnesota, he could kind of maybe get back to that form a little bit. But so far, it hasn't been a good result. And against Adam Thielen on Sunday, if he's matched up primarily against him, I think it could be really rough sailing for Xavier Rhodes against Adam Thielen. Yeah, and if you play sides again, if the Colts play sides again and just stick Rhodes on the right and just say, you know, whoever you put out there is who you put out there, the Vikings would have the option to have Thielen versus Rhodes as much as they want or against Justin as much as they want. Could even move him into the slot, but I doubt they do that uh, because it feels like that's where the the secondary is the strongest, though that'll be uh, Kenny Moore. will probably get a lot of rookie snaps against uh, Justin Jefferson. But, hey, let's move on to to some predictions. Um, the way I like to do it is using the, 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 the betting line but if you want to do scores, we could we could do that as well. Yeah, I'm actually looking at DraftKings right now, looking at the over-under and the point spread. The Colts are favored minus three, pretty much a pick on on the road for Minnesota and Indianapolis. Over-under as well as 48 and a half, Luke. Before we get into our prediction, do you think – who do you think covers that – do you think the Vikings cover that plus three spread? And do you think it gets over-under of that? Because honestly, I think we're in for a shootout here. Yeah, I um, I like the idea of a shootout. Um, I, I – yeah, I would probably take the over. I didn't bet it. I did bet Vikings plus three just because I feel like Vegas is still overvaluing home field advantage in a season with no fans. So I actually bet Vikings plus three. I, I do think that they can uh, they can at least cover the spread. Um, but I feel really good, actually, about the Vikings in this matchup. I think uh, a team that likes to throw to its running backs as a key part of its offense the Vikings match up really, really well against that because of their linebackers and a, a team that like feels like it's going to try to leverage the, the linebackers more than it leverages the cornerbacks plays right into the Vikings hands. So I, I feel pretty good about the Vikings in this one in the way that they match up. But I think overall quality, the two teams are really close. So the other thing is it's a Phillip Rivers game and Phillip Rivers games tend to devolve into chaos. So I always just take the points. <laughs> Yeah, that's not – I would definitely go with you on that. I would definitely go over here. I think it's going to be a really fun game to watch on Sunday, whether it be the Vikings or the Colts winning. I'm, I'm going to go with the Colts winning just barely. I'm going 30-27. I'm going to go a little spicy here and say overtime that the Colts win in overtime 30-27. to I think it's going to be very close throughout. I think Dalvin Cook and the Vikings offense are going to be cooking throughout as well. But I'm really uh, – I think the X factor for the Colts side of things, of course, Phil Rivers will try to get going against this young secondary. But I think Jonathan Taylor – in his first career NFL start, is they can establish the run early and kind of dominate the trenches, this Colts offensive line versus the Vikings defensive line, I could really see the Colts trying to bleed the clock a little bit and really have a, a nice balance between rush and pass because we saw last week that the ja against the Jaguars, Rivers threw 46 times and they only ran it 24 times. That kind of type of balance will not give you much wins in the NFL with Rivers at quarterback. So I think Jonathan Taylor's poised for a big game if they're able to establish that run early. So I'm going to go the Colts barely cover it. Minus three spread. I'm going to go 30 27, Luke. The Colts win with a Rodrigo hot rod Blankenship field goal in overtime. Ooh, redemption for the kid. I like it. So we both picked our own teams. That's the way God intended. <laughs> I guess so. I think, really, honestly, Luke, either way, this is a pick em game for me. 
Yeah, it's 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 a close one and not in a particularly encouraging way for either of our teams. But hey, Evan, thank you so much for uh, hanging out doing this crossover. Yeah, absolutely, Luke. Always enjoy talking with you. I'm looking forward to watching the game on Sunday. Best of luck. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Locked on Vikings. I'll see you all tomorrow with a more in-depth breakdown of the Colts. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked on Vikings. You can find this show wherever you find your favorite podcast. And of course, this podcast is brought to you by Visa, the official partner of the NFL. I'll see you all tomorrow. And as always, Skull.